It's extra drama for book number 46, Decisions. Hi, I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and with me still, or again, depending on how you think about it, is Mary-Kate Battles. Hi, Mary-Kate. Hi. Are you mad that I didn't introduce you as my BFF in the main episode? I'm sorry. I should have done that. I mean, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I get it. You have a lot of BFFs. You know that you're just true. Like, you're just one of those people where people always say, like, oh, Marissa's my good friend. And I want to be like, no, bitch, I'm Marissa's good friend. <laughs> I don't know if that's true of me, but I love it. And I mean, there's nobody that I have known as closely and continuously as you. You know, Aww. I have, I can't call you like my oldest friend if we're just talking about like any kind of friend. Right. But in terms of our like continued, like, best frienditude and closeness. In the main episode, you were talking about, you know, when you went off to college, and it's like, I was there, you know, I remember going to visit you Mm -hmm. in school. I remember, you know, talking to you. I remember you coming to visit me the first year that I was in college and, and all the all the chapters. So that's fun. Side note, uh, do you remember what happened five minutes into me being on your college campus? Are you talking about the, um, the naked run (laughs) across campus yes Yes. so at the university of chicago where i went to college there is i still i believe a long-standing winter festival that is the shorthand of it is that it's called cuvia and there are a bunch of different events that are a part of it and it's basically a way to kind of have some sort of happiness and celebration in winter uh, UFC is a very kind of serious place, and so its students can be prone to depression, especially during the cold months. I think, honestly, a lot of that is part of the thought that's that goes into having a festival in the winter, if I'm not mistaken. But one of the events is an event where anybody who wants to, I guess, takes off all their clothes and runs across the quad. And Mary-Kate was came to visit me in college for the first time and that was like your first glimpse of I literally walked on. under these beautiful historic stone arches at University of Chicago which I mean you know when you think of University of Chicago you're like oh my gosh the smartest and brightest people are right here and I was like so excited to be on campus visiting my best friend at this prestigious school and then there are naked men with tube socks on their dicks, just like running around the quad. And yeah, I was it's mostly, like, oh. it's mostly boys that, yeah, it's mostly boys, males that participate in this event. Not as a rule, but it tends to be, at least in in my time. I, I, I don't even know if they still do this, but I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, not right now, like not in 2020, but if it still continues, it would not shock me. But it's I have a funny update to that, which is that so when I came to grad school in California, there was the college here too. And there's something there called the undie run that happens every mm. year. And there are a lot of, you know, oh, the undie run, like, oh, people run like in their underwear, they run across campus. And I was just so like, and yeah (laughs) this is the best you can do kids like you're wearing your clothes but I think more more girls participate in in that uh event than in the in whatever they called the naked run across the quad which I can't remember right now 
that's one of my like fondest memories because I don't think I certainly have never seen that many naked people in my life. And I just like, it was just such a weird transition to visiting my best friend in college. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't remember my reaction to it, but at that point in time, I don't know. I, I I was think I was already beginning my transition to being okay with a lot of weirdness. Yes. Which is something that I took away from my college experience and carried with me to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, I can be very patient with many eccentric personality traits. It's one of my Um, favorite things about you, Marissa, is like how you can just like, (laughs) listen to someone be crazy and like, just go on with it. I that's one thing I love about you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's a good it's a good practice, I guess, for life in in these (laughs) these times. Uh, I had no sense at all that this is what we were going to talk about during extra (laughs) drama. But I I hope the listeners are entertained. (laughs) I was thinking about high school. Because we were, the Sweet Valley High is a high school, and we were both in high school together. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, because I feel like, you know, that, uh, forgive me if I, I mean, we can cut this out if you don't want me to say it, but I feel like you were so on top of so much stuff in high school, but like, look back on it as with not much fondness. Am I mistaken in that? Hmm. I mean, I think I got out of our Northwest Indiana High School what it could but by the time I left like I was ready I was ready to get out of that little universe I mean there were people that we went to high school with and and we lived a what 45 minute train ride from Chicago who had never been Mm -hmm. to Chicago Mm -hmm. um and I was so ready you know I grew up you know, and as a first generation American knew there was a lot more to this universe than Northwest Indiana. And I I was, I was ready to go. Um, so I I think I, you know, I got out of it. I did a lot of activities that's, you know, we did show choir together, a lot of fun things, but I think I was ready to rock and roll when we were done. I think you were too. Oh yes, I definitely was. I had been for a long time. I mean, I lived in the city when I was a little girl and, experienced that. And I, you know, the thing that you said about the 45 minutes from the city is something that I include a lot in my explanation of what it was to live in in the region in Northwest Indiana. It's like, it is simultaneously the suburbs, a bedroom town, and small town Indiana. It depends on who you ask. Because mm-hmm. my parents took the train into the city every day, and they met people that did that. And that those were a lot of their friends were people who, you know, were kind of living the suburban lifestyle. But then, yeah, you did meet people whose parents, whose grandparents, you know, had grown up in this town and had deep roots there. And for them, you know, it was, the town was the town. It didn't matter. Its proximity to Chicago was immaterial. Right. I mean, your, you know, your dad took the train to Chicago. Both my parents at one point worked in the city. So I think we just had a little different perspective, a little wider eyes to things. I I remember a thing that really, really frustrated me growing up in a small town was that everything seemed to close at six (laughs) o'clock, like every business other than like the fast food restaurants or whatever. And, And because of that, there were weird things that we did as teenagers late at night. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the maybe most iconic 
uh, Northwest Indiana late night thing would be to go to a truck stop. Yeah. Because there were a lot of truck stops. It's the crossroads of America, people. Mm-hmm. There were lots of truck stops for semi, like were semi trucks, and they all have these restaurants in them, and they're open 24 hours. And so you would go and drink your coffee and. We drank so much shitty coffee at, at truck stops <laughs> yeah. at like two in the morning. And like, we were good kids. We we weren't bad. We didn't drink and drive. We didn't do any of that. We drank coffee at 2 a.m. at truck stops because that's honestly all that you could do as far as I knew anyways. Um, so that's what we did. The other thing I remember doing quite a bit was um, wandering around Walmart, which we had to drive to another town to do that. Like mm-hmm. you had to drive 20... 20 minutes or more to get to the Walmart that you could wander around. Yeah. But it was open. So we weren't buying things. Right. We were just walking. We were just wandering the aisles. So if you live in a town where there are teenagers at your Walmart wandering, one thing that you could do to combat that is to have more things for them to <laughs> do at night. Yeah. And we'd go I to mean, that Denny's is- that was right there too, that was in the next town mm-hmm. over because there we didn't have something like that in our town. That sums it up. It and steak much. and shake. But, Remember but yeah. steak and shake? Oh, uh, yeah. When that finally opened, that was great. That was a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> we had choices of towns we could go to, but not a ton of choices of things to do in the town. <laughs> it must be so weird to, or so much different to live in the town once you're over 21 and you could go to bars. Totally. Because there are bars. Yeah. Oh, there are bars. But those were not options for us. And, like, even the coffee shop. Remember that coffee shop we all used to hang out at? They closed at, like, 4.30. Mm-hmm. So there was no, you know, late night hanging out. None to be had. But we made we made the most of it. And now I have actually found, for whatever reason, during this whole lockdown period, that I have found myself thinking about the town from time to time and kind of thinking about it, you know, with, with some some real fondness. Um, you know, I don't really have family ties there. I'd have it for a long time. I don't know. I guess it's just nostalgia or just the way that the brain is like trying to travel anywhere but the room that I'm stuck in. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think it's 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 harder when you feel you're a kid and you feel stuck and there's like the whole world out there like you were describing. That was the similarity that we had. And I think... Uh, you know, a lot of my friends, not all, but many of my friends from that time, I think were feeling the same thing. For sure. And some of them left and some didn't. Right. You know? Well, a lot of them still, like you said, have deep, deep family roots there. And now as a parent myself, like having family close by um, is not only just like a nice feeling, but it can be, especially right now with quarantine, it's like essential <laughs> to have help and have extra hands. So I, you know everybody's got to make their own choices and, you know, staying in your hometown or not staying in your hometown. It's a decision, right? <laughs> right, Robin? Yeah. Got to make these decisions right, and they're hard. They're hard decisions And to yet, make. Mrs. Wilson desperately wants to send Robin all, all the other side of the country. But, uh, you know, it would, it, she just needs that new kitchen. Well, so. maybe she just wants her to experience the East Coast. I think that's true. I mean, one thing that I wish that there had been more time to talk about is just the way that Mrs. Wilson and her sister just have seem like they have a really complicated and interesting relationship. Yes. Um, and it's there's a real, I mean, money, power dynamic at play there for sure. And Robin clocks that. She's like, 
I think Aunt Fiona just likes to wield her power over us and to test it. Yep. And so she decides that she's going to push back about certain things. And Fiona does come to respect that. She comes to be like, Robin, you're too, you're just too much like me. And then it weirdly ends up becoming a way that she and her aunt bond on some level is that the aunt sees some of herself in Robin. Yeah. Only because Robin's pushing back. Well, good. I'm glad she found her voice. Yeah. Look at us managing to bring it full circle back to Sweet Valley Diaries. Back to Sweet Valley High, number 46. (laughs) Mary-Kate, thank you again so much for reading this book. Um, I'm so glad that things are, uh, this one was easier for you to get through than uh, book four. And, um, you know, we'll see if Robin comes back again. I hope you'll consider joining me once more. You know, I'm a glutton for Robin. So bring me back anytime, Marissa. (laughs) Oh, you're going to binge on Robin. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, I love you. And uh, Gladiators, thank you. We'll see you next week to find out um, about the Porters. Remember them? They, there was, um, who was the one that was, uh, oh gosh, (laughs) now now I can't remember. Um, there was something with one of the Porter sisters. Oh, she was in love with this guy who was good at science, and she was good at science, and then she proved that science was good, and she was bad at music, so she was trying to drop out of school, like that whole thing. Well, now she has a sister who's good at music. That is that is the extent of my ability to sum up the Porters right now. So, But can I say, at least they uh, believe in science. I mean, that's where we are in 2020. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> yeah, and this was 1988, so. Ahead of their time, believing in science. Those science believers. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but this next book is not going to be about science. It's going to be about music. Even better. Well, thank you so much, and I'll see everybody next week. Bye. Except for you, Mary-Kate. No. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>